Hi, you've reached the Mario Rosenstock podcast. Please leave a message. Hi, Mario. Brendan O'Connor here. Um, in RT. Come here. I'm a huge fan of uh, Tai Kiki. Um, looking forward to it. Um, but listen, what's I was just going to know because come here to me. What's he got to do with COVID? I'm just thinking because surely everything you know comes down to COVID when you think about it. So I'm really interested to hear how you develop the conversation and kind of turn it into COVID, like like I do. Okay, thanks. Uh, Mario, this, 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 this is Michal Martin here. Uh, it's great to see that, that you, 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 you have Kai Hickey, a fellow Corkonian, uh, on the, the podcast today. I must say the podcast is really going from strength to strength. Uh, and uh, I hope that Tyke uh, does himself proud. He's a wonderful comedian. I, I'm not so sure about, about his politics sometimes. They can be a bit dubious. Uh, but still, a, a very funny man. Mario, Johnny Adams here. I'm really, really, really looking forward to Ty Kiki's podcast with you today. A man who truly, truly understands the political landscape of this country. Thank you. Carmela Mongut. Hi, Mario. This is Sonia Sullivan. I'm really, really looking forward to hearing Ty Kiki on, on the podcast. Really, I'm a really big fan of Ty Kiki. And he's not a bad runner as well. You know, I think he's done 452 for the 1500 metres, I think. Yeah, the Corkonians really get behind their own, don't they? Every time we have someone on from the Rebel County on the podcast, we just get loads of these kinds of messages flooding in on a Thursday. And of course, they are well-deserved in the case of today's special guest. He's, in my opinion, currently one of Ireland's great comic minds. An original member of the Cahoots comedy troupe, he went on to write and star in a brilliant one-man show for the Dublin Fringe Festival, which I saw in one eye and out the other. And then during the last couple of years, he has expertly adapted his comedy uh, skills to online and his short videos, um, which are brilliantly observed, very political in many instances, but always funny, are getting millions and millions and millions of hits. Ty Kiki is my guest today. We talk comedy, politics. He's an unashamed, big, Sinn Féin supporter. But we'll forgive him for that. Drinking drugs, spirituality, and so much more. I found it very painful at times to like almost hide the fact that I was a shinner. <laughs> like, so I was like coming out of the closet as a shinner, kind of going, Mom, Dad, I like Jerry Adams. Like, I was living with my ex partner and my child, but I thought in my alcoholic, egotistical head, come on, when I'm around, I'm a great dad. Yeah. I'm pushing buggies. Yeah. I was changing nappies to beat the band, so I thought then that I had a free pass to go and enjoy my alcoholism in my own time for days mm. on end. It, whether it's Sinn Féin or doing my little bit for Palestinian rights or whatever, I'm not doing it in a way of kind of going, this is my team and I'm against you. I'm doing it in the pursuit of authenticity. I don't see alcohol as the solution to the ongoing problem of feeling anxious yeah. anymore, which is the main reason that I started drinking. Felt anxious everywhere. Okay. Do you know what would help here now? 10 points and a load of ecstasy that yeah. would really help me to fit in at this <laughs> RTE function do you know what I'm lots more from Ty Kiki coming up very shortly and in fact because he's a great comedian we've even roped him in to guest starring on the comedy sketch for this episode which you will hear planted embedded in the middle of our chat a little later featuring a character we both get a bit of a laugh out of and that we both do that's all still to come here on the Mario Rosenstock podcast which of course as always is proudly supported by our friends at Curry's PC World And if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you'll have heard me and some various characters talk about the great TVs 
and kitchen appliances that you can find up in Curry's PC World. And believe me, I have witnessed this for myself firsthand. But did you know that you can also find a great range of laptops there too? And of course, at this time of year, laptops are a very precious commodity, as we all know, as parents get their school and college-going kids all kitted out for their new academic year. But some well-known parents are getting caught on the hop, it seems. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Primetime. Well, look, back to school and college is causing panic, with a rush on quality laptops being reported all over the country. Fran has more details. That's right, Miriam. It's absolute bedlam out there. The market leader in the area, Curry's PC World, are saying their top-of-the-range laptops are going fast, literally disappearing off the shelves. Oh with pupils and students heading back to college, Curry's are advising okay, uh, people to get in there fast. Okay, back to you, Miriam. See you, Miriam? Where are you going? Cover for me! Hi! Uh, Am I too late? Welcome to Curry's PC World. How can I help you? I need 15 of your best laptops. Mm -hmm. Please tell me you have them. I'm sure we can help. So, what class do you uh, teach yourself? Uh, They're for my children. What? Genuinely. Back to school and college in style with Curry's PC World. So, you know what you can do. Get yourself down to Curry's uh, before school and college and do your best. Uh, Check out the great range of laptops and special laptop promotions while there's still time. So we've been getting so many emails and ratings and reviews from you over the last few weeks. Um, I really uh, love reading the emails. Many of the emails you send me are very long and uh, they're very personal. Um, not in a kind of a, a sad way or anything. They're just very personal. And I think um, you've, you, you, a lot of you have, have ended up uh, emailing me and I've really enjoyed them and I'm going to get back to them all very shortly. So now it's time for my chat with Ty Kiki. We talked about so many fascinating things. But in there, you'll also find a comedy sketch in which Ty plays a starring role and a song or two as well. He has an amazing voice. Now, enjoy this chat. So Ty... So, Ty, thanks for coming on to the podcast, first Thank of all. You. If I can just get my headphones on here now, it'd be grand. <laughs> thanks, Shane, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. I feel like a right sap. Um, but, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. But, well, so, one of the things... So, Ty, I follow you on Twitter and all that sort of stuff. I follow you too, man. Yeah, and, and like, I've had you on the radio show when I was doing the radio show. And Patrick and myself are, are big fans of yours. And before that, Ian Dempsey, of course, is a big fan of yours from your work with Cahoots, which was the sketch troupe. Yeah. And... Uh, and, uh, you know, I loved loads of the sketches you did with Cahoots. But the stuff that you're releasing as a solo comedian is very political in nature. Or, or some of it is very political in nature. Yeah. And that, that's why I actually wanted to start there, because that intrigues me. Right. So, for example, I saw you doing a sketch about a house share with l- loyalists and, yeah. and people like that. And then there was another house share about Israel. Yeah. And then there was a, a networking conference about Cuba. Yeah. In, <laughs> imagine Cuba as a Cork networking event. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so... I probably like to talk to you about politics through comedy or comedy through politics. Absolutely. And so these 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 topics fascinate you. They do, but I mean, like, it's it's definitely comedy first, though. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, I mean, I'm not blowing smoke up your chimney, but, like, you inspired me so much with... Well, no, you did, though. And, like, you've often brought me on your shows and I'm straight into, like, contributing. Um, or you're talking about me. Like, you talked, you, you facilitated me talking about my alcoholism for the first time ever on, on like, national radio, which was amazing. I have that as number three. <laughs> the alcoholism. His alcoholism. Are you back drinking? No. Oh, Patrick said, talk to about COVID and drink and the pandemic and drinking. Did he ever get tempted? Go on anyway. I can't wait to get into that. Politics no, but, and comedy. But, but, but I just want to start by saying like, you know, I, di- I didn't get a chance to say this before and again, I'm not blowing smoke, blah, blah, blah. But like, you're a huge inspiration to me because 
you do political stuff, but you always found the funny in it, I, I, I think. You know what I mean? And also you were, you were able to kind of churn stuff out as well. Like I remember being in college and listening to the Gift Grub stuff. I mean, there was one particular David Beckham, and I'm not going to just spend the whole podcast blowing smoke, oh. but <laughs> you're into it? You yeah, know? yeah, I got um, just a little bit of smoke. But I think like England were beaten 2-1 by France. I think it was by possibly Euros 2004. I was in college anyway, and I didn't have the balls to get into comedy yet, Like, but I really wanted to. And you did a Cry Your Eyes Mate kind of David Beckham. And it was like, it was so well written. It was so well performed. But also I was like, I was in the pub watching the match last night. And this guy was obviously just, you know, but seriously though, that really, I was like, if I ever get going in this thing, do you know what? I'm going to work really hard as well. So that's, that's a big motivation for me to work really hard at the thing. But it, for, for it to be comedy first. So I'd like to think that I have never sat down and thought, I've got an agenda. And the world needs to know it. It's just that I, for instance, if you look at the loyalism one, I find the predicament that loyalism finds itself in at the moment very amusing. I don't feel like I'm laughing at them. I, I was just trying to find, without getting too pretentious, I suppose the absurdest comedy in the fact that they find themselves in a position where it, fe- it feels like everyone's forgotten about them and no one loves them. Hmm. And they're holding on with dear life to this entity that has clearly forgot all about them. And that's their whole identity. Well, imagine hoping to Jesus that Boris Johnson hasn't forgot where you are. Yes. And you're actually using, he's your last resort. Yes. And they're there, well, you know, uh, well, maybe Boris hasn't forgotten where we are. And if that's where you are with yeah. loyalism, good luck with that. That's the thing. And like, I find, because they, I feel they're making the same mistake for the last hundred years. It's like a thing that they keep repeating. And I found that very funny. But like, I just thought it was amusing to set up a scene, to go back to Patrick, I know he's mad to get COVID and let's get COVID in. You're in COVID, you're at home, there's no gigs on, you know, better than most. You probably had like massive gigs. I had medium to small size gigs lined up. They're all gone. And then I was like, I need to make sketches on my own. So I need to play all the roles basically. So I'm just the type of guy who's like, everything, the whole world is on fire. What do you do now? Like, and you know, you try and do something. So that's why I created this kind of system where I'm playing all the characters. That scenario was amusing to me and it really took off. And I was like, okay. And I suppose to answer your question as well with Cahoots, I do think we did great stuff. It was an amazing period. The other two collaborators, Laura Manny and Dominic McHale are beautiful people and they're superb performers. But I felt in that world, it was a hand-holding exercise with RT for a long time where you're finding this kind of type of material that might potentially do well or has some sort of commercial outlet. Whereas my own taste in comedy was probably a little bit darker, a little bit more political. So then in COVID time, I thought there was almost this kind of scorched earth feel where I don't know if the art's ever going to recover. You, you're at home on your own in a, in a tiny apartment in Wilton. Get out the camera, make some... <laughs> <laughs> make some sketches and to hell with a lot of it well, and that's what I did you put a thought into my head there and that is that eh, that is that the pandemic has done something the pandemic has levelled everybody it's equalised everybody to rubble it made everything rubble mm. it, it basically threw a bomb into the world of creativity and basically went nothing's going to get made and so there was nothing made and there was just this silence and out of that some people went I'm going to make something yeah I'm going to make something I'm going to make something. I'm going to make something. I'm going to make something. I don't have any money. Don't yeah. have any money. And nobody's paying me yet. And so you and other people like like yeah. like Fry, 
Yeah. Um, Genius. And, uh, brilliant stuff. Yeah. And sorry, I'm putting on a Cork accent now talking to you. <laughs> Jesus. So this is happening to me all the time. I'm trying to sound like you. No, this like happens it's... to me all the time now. And um, so you started doing it. And it is interesting, folks who are listening to the podcast, when you see Ty Kiki's comedy, he unashamedly and kind of unapologetically plays all the characters. Now, he's a very good looking man and very fit, but he has a beautiful bald head on him. And he doesn't attempt to put on any wigs. Balding. 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 And he doesn't attempt to put on on any wigs on or anything or even hardly any costumes. They're just emblematic. He just cuts away to another version of himself being a different character. And of course, at the end of the day, what's going to carry that? It's the script. And the script has to be on point and the script has to be uh, strong and funny at the same time. And, you know, there's no question, but you put the funny first. But I am interested in the fact that you are a political person. And so, for example, just take it for granted that your sketches are funny. I'm like yeah, people. Yeah, people yeah. are saying people. Uh, people will, who've seen them will all agree they love <laughs> them. Me like yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah, but they yeah. are. But the point is, <laughs> but you are as well a very political person. Yeah. So, for example, um, it's some some comedians would be would be more happy to go. Well, you know, I like to do a bit of balance here and there. You know, I'm not political. I wouldn't go one way or the other. You are. Yes, and I respect them. Uh, their decision to people in the arts generally I think they try and stay in by the middle yeah and I think they're for your career probably a great idea but, I, my, but this my, is what's interesting about you yeah but my instinct is just do your own thing like do your own thing like again not to get too pretentious about it I did philosophy in college there's a philosopher called Heidegger who had this idea of authenticity even if the thing you're doing almost seems destructive to the outside view at times just be authentic and I feel like I'd ra- I found it very painful at times to like almost hide the fact that I was a shinner <laughs> like so I was like coming out of the closet as a shinner kind of going mom dad I like Jerry Adams um, yeah. but like I just found you know what just be me I, I, maybe I'm wrong it could be hubris it could be arrogance I don't know what it is but I think people will come round to the idea of the guy who's just being himself like I have a lot of followers that I would say detest Sinn Féin I have this is, this is, is a kind of a yeah I yeah. have people often and this is the other thing about Twitter I can often have debates with people on Twitter where they say look I don't agree with your politics but I thought that was clever the way you did that or whatever I love that now if somebody comes on and says you're a Marxist terrorist supporting scumbag I'm going to burn your house down that guy's probably not up for a frank robust <laughs> courteous to and fro yeah. so then you just block that chap and move on with your day but the point I'm making is like, I think if you're just yourself, even if people don't agree with your views, they may eventually kind of go, well, look, he's being himself. He's doing his thing. Yes. He's making his work. He's, he's not lying. Comedian. He's not lying. And then at least I have no skeletons in the closet. And I think to, to segue into the alcoholism, if you don't mind for a moment, it comes from the recovery thing, I think, because in recovery to, to have a real good chance at getting well you have to just burst open all the closets. Mm. You know, you have to just throw it all out there. Like there's, there's pretty much nothing I've done in my drinking that I haven't told to someone like you mm. at some point. There, I, there's nothing that I'm, to say I'm ashamed, and no, I don't know what to say, I'm not ashamed. I've almost dealt, I've processed the shame, I think, and I've come out the other side of it. So it, whether it's Sinn Féin or being, you know, partial to standing up, doing my little bit for Palestinian rights or whatever, I will do it. But I'm not doing it in a way of kind of going, well, like, this is my team and I'm against you. I'm not doing that. I'm doing it in the pursuit of authenticity, yes. I think. And I, I will be delighted if the people over here who are not on my team, I don't believe in teams anyway. Yeah, well, this is very interesting. Again, this is very interesting now because let me try and pursue this a little bit. Because So, for example, Mary Lou MacDonald, 
uh, follows you. I think Jerry Adams retweeted you about yeah. something and you said, mind blown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But again, you were delighted. These are heroes of yours. I'm being are, honest. You're being honest. Yeah. And that's fine. But here's maybe a, I'll pose you a question. Uh, th- there's no question that the essence of what you do would be to do with political satire. Yeah. And is it, do you find that it's then placing you in um, a compromised position slightly to be a political satirist who will always probably then come down on the side of the shinners in this case? It's, and you're creating these just quite beautiful segues for me because the... <laughs> in other words, I'm walking right into your trap. <laughs> no, not at all. Okay. Like, I would like to say a bit of a, a kind of announce a mea culpa insofar as I feel like somebody pointed out to me recently, like, you know, is it really worthwhile doing, you know, a sixth or a seventh sketch about the ludicrous position that loyalism finds itself in? And it was, you know, when I first heard it, it was like, oh, who does, who do they think they are? But actually I was like, yeah, I haven't found the avenue yet to take the piss out of my own side if I was on a side. Now, I know I've just contradicted myself because I don't feel I'm on a side. But I could do more to take the piss out of Republicans, certainly. And I will do it. That's a, that's a, that's a claim here now. But also, I'm fortunate enough to be doing a Brexit podcast uh, soon. So I'm just going to throw that in now. <laughs> plug, 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 plug. With Bauer Media, uh, their political wing, IRA gag, mm. um, uh, Go Loud, <laughs> who are amazing. They're fantastic to work with. I'm doing a Brexit podcast. I'll tell you a little bit about it in a second, but I'll just finish the plug. Um, They're providing me with editorial marketing and lots of other support. Um, And they're fantastic. If you've got an idea for a podcast, get onto them. It's also being uh, produced, but actually, I need to plug D Ready. She's amazing. I know D Ready. Yeah, she's just fantastic. So smart, so on the ball. And I have an American producer called Eliza Kane. So we've got a kind of an American angle to it as well. I'm going to maybe repurpose it for an American audience at some point. But the kernel of the Brexit idea started with me admitting to myself, am I now wandering into an area where I'm doing more damage than good? Because if I'm like kind of playfully feuding with angry loyalists on Twitter all day long, am I now doing damage to the overall dream that most Republicans, I think, would have, which would be a united uh, egalitarian Wolftonian island? So with that in mind, the idea of the podcast came, I wonder, could I go up north and meet people, obviously from my own uh, world like the Jerry Adams of the world, which would be amazing to me because I'm openly, you know, very like I'm a big fan of a lot of the stuff that he's done. But maybe more importantly, could I maybe sit down with Arlene Foster and have a bit of crack with her, but also not to do it in a, a gimmicky way, kind of going like, can you get my numbers up on the internet and can I take the piss yet again out of the same subject? More to go, you know what? Have I been reductive actually about your culture? And at the time the loyalism one came out. I don't think anybody articulated why I defended them. They were all just unanimous that I defended them. But I haven't heard anyone say exactly why. But I would love to hear why. And if I if I, if I I have done wrong, I'd love to acknowledge it. And I would genuinely... Look, I know people will say, oh, look, this guy's just looking for more attention or virtue signaling or whatever the usual stuff you get on Twitter. But I'm comfortable with my own intentions. And I'd be going up to do my tiny, tiny little part, potentially in building, building some bridges. Great. Okay, that's the Brexit podcast. Yeah. And when, when, <laughs> yeah. that's going to be made soon, is it? Or yeah, starting so I'm, soon. it's starting soon. Well, I'm, I'm conducting, I'm doing Fail on, on Fobble in Belfast where I'll be hopefully interviewing Jerry and Danny Morrison mm. and they'll kick off the, the interviews and I'm reaching out to people like, no. It's going to expand beyond Ireland as well. So hopefully there's going to be a Wales episode, a Scotland episode 
and the full kind of geopolitical remit of, of Brexit mm. and how it's affecting all the, the specific uh, specific countries. So, yeah, so so but and all these all this this is coming out of as well all these sketches that you, the loyalist sketches that you refer to, um, which were very funny by the way, and also the Israel sketches you're talking about Israel yeah. and Palestine, and then recently the Cuba sketches. <laughs> now I'm not I'm not these all fall into a certain if you like there is a certain political. Line that's uh, yeah. that that's been taken here. Um, so and Cuba is very much in the news, of course, right at the moment. Yes, I feel the line I'm on, though. If I could defend myself, that I know it seems like they're all kind of left-leaning, pseudo anti-imperialist kind of thingies, which is fair enough. And look, they are. But what I'm more interested in is the little bit of reading I've done and the little amount of documentaries I've watched. It just kind of blows my mind that the prevailing narrative is usually the opposite of the one that I'm trying to highlight. So I don't think your average person is overly engaged with American foreign policy over the last kind of 30 or 40 years. Like your average person that I would chat to, they'd say, oh, like if I'm chatting about politics, they'd say, oh, here he goes now again with the kind of the British historical amnesia kind of stuff. But if you bring up America to your average person, they're like, what has America done? Maybe I'm being insulting to the the people I'm conversing with, but it just feels the area I'm in is just highlighting stuff that I think is like, for instance, the amount of times that the CIA tried to assassinate Castro. That's very amusing to me. So that was partly my motivation. I was like, I wonder, could I shoehorn that into a sketch? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that would be my first thought for Monday morning on Gift Grub. Ian, I'm thinking about shoehorning Castro's assassination attempts into um, Daniel O'Donnell's uh, take on uh, Dancing with the Stars. Whereas, like, you had your finger on the pulse for contemporary I know. moving uh, news issues, whereas I'm, like, going back in history. Like, no, no, see, there's the so much I, more material. The point, the point I, there is a lot of material. The point I'm making is that you make it really entertaining. Um, the, I suppose the, 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 the canard that I'm raising is... is that they are long disputed uh, uh, frames of reference. So, for example, um, I heard, let's, let's say, Brendan Ogle and um, David Hickey, Dave, Dr. David Hickey on with Matt Cooper the other day talking about Cuba. Right. And uh, they are staunch lovers of Cuba. And they talked about the blockade of Cuba and the, the 50 year, 60 year long blockade of Cuba. Yeah. Um, um, you know, um, uh, making, contributing to poverty in the country. But I suppose the other side of it is that other people would say there's been a suppression of civil rights within Cuba and yeah. that it's a kind of a communist totalitarian state in certain ways. And I suppose, you know, you have to deal with that as well. I do. But I mean, as you touched on earlier, as I, as I know you obviously do, I spend like sometimes a week on a script that I'm going to shoot that's going to be two minutes 20. And I feel like if you go back and look at that script, at no point do I say this government is perfect um, you know, it's all great. America's bad. Boom. Yeah. The sketch is actually making the point that, oh, my God, we've got loads of problems. But the one thing that we can probably all be unanimous about here that we don't need is an American military intervention. So I'm just playing. I'm just taking the piss out of that particular thing. So I, I, I usually do the work so that when like the inevitable backlash comes, I can defend myself. But I don't always get the balance right. Definitely. Like yeah. I'm definitely making mistakes. And that's why. I'm kind of reaching I mean, out. I, I, you know? And believe me, I'm not here to, I'm not here to, in, in, you know, to be an inquisitor or a judge of what's right and what's wrong. Oh, yeah. And I know, I know you're not. And oh, I know yeah. you're, you're certainly not with me. But I, I think it's just like, 
again, it's probably a recovery thing where you're constantly keeping on top yeah. of the fact that you're messing up constantly. I, I don't want to go into a big... Uh, th- it wouldn't be right for us to talk, to, to, go, into, to go into a political diatribe, um, partly because I'm not qualified to ask the questions. And you're a comedian. And you're a comedian who is, who's, well, who's, who's quite well read on politics. But just, just off the top of your head, and, and we can edit it out of the podcast if we want to, right? <laughs> but do you think that we'd have a better country with Sinn Féin in charge? 100%. Okay, 100%. Can you tell me why we might? Well, I feel like even the personnel in the South, if you just look at the personnel, so like I would, I mean, politics is a kind of a personality driven thing, really, when you think about it. And I won't get personal about people that I haven't got particularly nice things to say, but I might just very quickly get personal about people that I think might be better positioned to do the job. So if you look at Pierce Doherty, I think like even people who, you know, detest Sinn Féin for all sorts of reasons that we could argue the toss with, on that but they would say like wow that guy in that position looking after the finances the things that he's done on demonstrated insurance. a high level of competency yeah. and dealing with the insurance industry and all well that sort of able, stuff well able brave I mean he's got that great mixture of being brave but he also understands his stuff I mean Owen O'Brien in housing is a published author on the topic like I mean I don't know if any of his rivals have that level of expertise he's obviously he's also got like a really nice gentle touch and way with people in my opinion I think Mary Lou is a fantastic leader Lynn Boylan is a fighter the list the list goes on and on I just think in terms of personalities with these guys in there in the positions that they should be in I, I do think it would be that they would be better so that's on the personality angle and I feel like Sinn Féin would, from, from what I've read, and, you know, they could get into power and they could mess the whole thing up. Absolutely. But it seems to me at election time, the stuff that you hear is you can't let them at it because they'll wreck the economy and they'll wreck this and they'll wreck that. But it seems to me like every time the new successive orientation of Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael get into power, they wreck all these things. And the thing that I feel most passionate about is the fact that Ireland is, is effectively a corporatist state now. And I feel like Sinn Féin would be, in my view, that the strongest party in a position to really look at that for the first time. So in one of your arguments, state. which I think is a fair argument, would be how much more wrecked could we make it anyway? <laughs> exactly. Like I made a video in the last election kind of saying like, if the big argument is like, they wreck the economy, I'm saying like, give them a go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, could they do any worse? Could they do any worse? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, if they do, no, fair play to them. It's a point. And because this is not a public broadcasting uh, network, I don't have to add any balance to it. I just have to allow you to say what you want. And I don't have to come across with any fucking balance. So we'll just leave Ty Kiki. Oh, curses are all ha- great. Have his say. Oh. Oh, no, no, we'll just leave you, leave you have, a say on, have your say on that. Now, Tyke, the last year and a half has been very productive for you uh, energy-wise. You've, you've come out with a lot of energy. Again, folks, if, you're, if, you're, if you want to see Tyke's sketches online, um, it's Tyke Hickey, and he comes out with these great videos, and uh, you can follow him on Patreon as well. Oh, and, nice. And, oh, you're welcome, nice, and nice, contribute nice, to nice. that, and, um, because this is part of the new wave that comedians are trying to be independent, really, and make their own living um, without being behoven to, to anybody necessarily. Uh, but Tyg's videos and, and content is fantastic. This podcast is proudly supported by our friends in Curry's PC World. Back to the chat. You talked about um, drinking there, Tyg, and I mean, we talked about it on my radio show, but this is obviously, you know, listeners to my podcast, yeah. maybe it's a new thing. Um, obviously, you, you, you were very, very categorical and emphatic and sharing about coming out about how much of an alcohol how how you were an alcoholic and how your life was absolutely um, stricken with alcoholism Um, 
W- w- but it wasn't all bad. <laughs> oh, you see. <laughs> because I think people associate... Uh, Jesus, yeah, with alcoholism. Oh. I got him. But you, you were interesting about alcoholism. I think this is more of the authenticity thing, hopefully. And it's authenticity is something that I'm just aspiring to be on a daily basis. But... I feel like I did a podcast with these guys in another plug coming up, the two Norries in Cork, and they talk about drug addiction, uh, kind of, I I was going to say mostly, but maybe that's how they start off, because that's primarily primarily their own story. But those guys have been through horrific uh, heroin addiction and whatnot, and they're actually quite open about the fact that in a period heroin saved their lives when they were in the height of addiction. If somebody had pulled their drugs away from in that period, like, and they didn't sort them out with uh, you know, a job, a nice place to live, to take them out of the deprivation that they were living in, they probably would have taken their own lives. And that's the, those guys saying that. I'm not saying that on their behalf. Um, so it's important, I think, to have any chance at recovery, to be honest about it. And I definitely didn't fit into that narrative of like, straight away the drinking was bleak and I was on a bridge and stuff. Like, I was having the fucking time of my life. Like, the whole way through my 20s, I had this like inflated ego. Like, I, I, I mean, I've done one or two reasonable pieces of work by now, but I had a way bigger ego then and I'd done fucking nothing. Like, I just, it's like an alcoholic mindset. The family I came out of, I was like, well, I'm either going to be, go under from the stuff that like, you know, the, like little bits of pieces going on. I'm not, gonna, I'm not here to talk about my family, but like between myself and the, the world that I was in, I was like, I'm either going to go under here now or I'm going to soar above it with an inflated ego. So I just stormed around Cork for my 20s, just like meeting women, treating everyone like shit. And I'm not laughing at the fact that I was treating people badly because I've gone back and I've spoken to them now. I'm actually laughing at the idea that in my mind that was OK at the time. I'd go missing for days on end. I was so full of alcoholic arrogance that I had a child when I was quite young. And I would be like, I'd be pushing buggies. I'd be changing nappies. At one point I brought my, like I was a big man for ostentatious displays of fatherhood. So one time I brought my daughter, who was, I think, four months old in a sling to a funeral in Cove. Like Cove is a big train ride away. Like the child was in bits, like at a funeral, (laughs) like, you know. I didn't know what I was doing, man. I really didn't know what I was doing. I just had this bluster and this instinct inside your class. You're a great guy. Did you have an ability to drink and drink and keep the energy going for long periods of time? Like, so, for example, some alcoholics um, drink, let's say, consistently. Some alcohol and they go to bed. Yeah. And they wake up the next day and they drink. Uh, Some alcoholics drink, binge until they fall down somewhere. And some alcoholics just keep drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking, maybe for a couple of two or two or two and a half, three days on end. Yeah. There seems to be the the stamina, enormous stamina, wherever it's coming from. It's genetic predispositioned. Well, I had, I mean, I I don't talk about this madly. I, I wouldn't say it on radio that much, I suppose. But like in a podcast, it's fine to say that my drinking was kind of, you know, I had performance enhancing drugs, I suppose, for my for my drinking. And I found that early on, like I, I just couldn't stop drinking. It's like they call it in recovery programs, a kind of an allergy, an obsession. As soon as I started drinking, I'd have to to keep drinking until something in me shut down, be it my mind or my body. Just I couldn't stop. I literally couldn't stop. Like, I know it sounds melodramatic, but like if I had a gig with you now the next day, like I, when I was like 24, I got a gig with RT uh, as the actor on... Uh, the kids show in Cork, Solitude it was called. And it was my dream job. Like I was mad to get into TV and do f- comedy and acting and stuff like that. The very first morning I was supposed to be there, I was in a party like in the north side. I just couldn't leave. I just started drinking so I couldn't leave. It was a total obsession. But then when drugs came in, 
I was able to take some drugs and just stay awake and then I'd stay awake for like three or four days and I'd be gone for three or four days literally three or four days and to go back to the arrogance my ex-partner at the time would be like going like where were you like I was living with my ex-partner and my child but I thought in my alcoholic egotistical head come on when I'm around, I'm a great dad. Yeah. I'm pushing buggies. Yeah. There ain't no one changing more nappies than me. Like my, like I came from a, a working class men's men family. Like me changing nappies was a source of ridicule. People were like, what are you doing? You should be doing, you should be, that's a woman's job. What are you doing? I was changing nappies to beat the band. So I thought then that I had a free pass to go and enjoy my alcoholism in my own time for days mm. on end. And I'm laughing about it now again because it's, possibly cathartic I've made amends to the people that I hopefully needed to make amends to but looking back on it now I cannot believe that I thought that it was ever okay that you could just exit your life for three or four days as a, as a man in a relationship mm. with a child and that that would be okay because I was such a great guy <laughs> <laughs> well obviously you know obviously obviously giving up alcohol um, led to all sorts of reevaluation of your life and Moving in a more, let's say, maybe moving in a more positive direction. Um, do you just, do, what is that What is that world like to be, I used to be, or because people don't say I used to be, they say I am an alcoholic. Mm. What is that then moving through your life? What is that? Is it, is it, do you, do you carry that cliche of, when I say cliche, I mean it as a positive thing, that I'm not having a drink today? Or do you still, like, or are there different degrees of it? Well, <clears throat> yeah. Or, or do you say, or do you say, I used to be an alcoholic? No, no. I never so, say. So there's actually in recovery, some people say they're recovered, and some people say they're recovering. It's totally up to yourself. I've always said recovering because I feel like everything is is on the day. Like to go back to hammer the point again, the authenticity thing is in, is on the day. The making mistakes is on the day. Can I actually do more over here? Have I actually fucked that up? Or do I need to look at that? It's all it's all on the day. It's all contingent on what you're doing with your life in that in that particular time. So I would say I'm recovering, but I'm no longer remotely tempted to drink though, to answer that question. So people often ask me, <laughs> they often ask me, you know, was that difficult? Now, like I was at a festival in Ballydob yeah. over the last couple of days and I had a whale of the time yeah. pottering around all the pubs and stuff because... I oh think yes, it, really? That's yeah. not a problem. That's not an issue. Oh, like sure. My, I mean, between, I do music like, and, and I'm often in theatres doing shows, but I'm often in pubs as well. Mm. And I, I, I love pubs. Okay. I love pubs. I love being around. The only thing I find tedious is when Sometimes people are on their maybe seventh or eighth uh, drink and they start repeating yeah. the story. That's the only, I'm never, I don't even find it tedious anymore when people say, would you not have a drink, would you not have a drink? I feel like I've done the work on myself now that usually I'm secure enough in myself. I'm not trembling. I'm not looking at points. I'm not looking at people going, oh, I wish I was part of this. Like you're a part of it if you want to be like, but you just have to have maybe just done the work I suppose yeah. the hard yards that you're comfortable in your own skin I don't see alcohol as the solution to the ongoing problem of feeling anxious yeah. anymore which is the main reason that I started drinking felt anxious everywhere okay. do you know what would help here now 10 points and a load of ecstasy that yeah. would really help me to fit in at this <laughs> RTE function do you know what I, know what I, I mean? couldn't <laughs> Well, listen, I think, do you know what? There is a certain amount of truth there to what you're saying Well, there. to be fair, there is. RTE function, 10 pints and a big rock of MDMA. 
I mean, you're going over the you're going over the the the, the, the in World War One here. They were all on E anyway. Yeah, exactly. All the Germans, all the Brits and the German soldiers, they were all on exactly. E. Exactly. So that was an RTE function. But like, I I had without getting too kind of airy fairy and like goddish on you. I did have what I would describe as some sort of a spiritual intervention, though, in my experience where I went from going, I need to drink all the time, but I was a binge drinker. I wasn't a daily drinker, but like in the time I wasn't drinking, I was constantly thinking about it. So I was absolutely obsessed with this thing. But something happened to me when I threw the towel in and I started meditating and I started hanging around with other drunk, shall we say. Something happened in that period, which I can't quite put my finger on but a belief in something stronger than myself definitely I feel took me out of that place because I I haven't had a compulsion to drink alcohol in maybe about five years and I mean like a genuine compulsion I used to have and when you say a spiritual intervention do you mean something that was invited into your life or something that just happened to you Kind of both if it's not a cop out because I definitely started doing more spiritual practices like meditation and, and, and also looking at myself as a key part of it. Like in recovery, like a big part of it is you need to acknowledge the things that you've done wrong. So you can't just say, I was an alcoholic, sorry about wrecking your house, um, but I was an alcoholic, so I'll see you. It's more like irrespective of this thing here, I still did those things and I need to acknowledge them. Is that an them. enormous relief to you when... Enormous relief. And I think is that one of the main passages of getting through this? Oh, you see, like, if you don't acknowledge the things you've done, mm. you carry them everywhere. Mm. Like, every new relationship you have, you're going into it, like, with all these things that you haven't acknowledged with previous relationships. Yeah. You're doubling down. Every new down. job, you're doubling down, mm. exactly. But when you look at it, I know it's a cliche, to go back to the idea of a cliche, but when you look at it, the freedom is unbelievable. Like most of the time now I feel really free and it has freed me up as well, I think, to do the type of work that I want to do now. Because mm. when you feel that free, you're like, I suppose the other thing is, sorry, I'm jumping all over the place, but no. another mm. thing as well is that because, I mean, without getting too melodramatic on it, the drinking was at the point for me where I was like, well, I, sadly, I think I'm going to die. Mm. Like I was literally at that point where I was like, there's better men than me now in, in a saner spot uh, and women who have being taken out by this thing mm. so it would seem because I'd be logical enough I, I'd be like in the latter stages of the summer of 2015 I was like it would seem that I'm going to die mm. which is a serious pity because I think I'm a nice guy I've got <laughs> seriously I was almost that logical about it. I was sitting in an apartment I was going fuck yeah I'm yeah I'm done I'd say you'd be a waste yeah and I was actually and I, but actually that's a great point because deep down inside that false ridiculous ego came into its own then because I went no no well the false ridiculous ego as far as I can see turned into somebody who genuinely began to care for themselves and maybe even love themselves which is the first principle true and I thought I might be some small bit of use to other people that was another thing as well I was like well if you get through this now maybe in your own kind of wacky way you might yeah. be able to describe it to someone that might help them. You mentioned there a minute ago about recovering and that it, every day is contingent and so that it, it helped, it, it, you deal with stuff as it happens every day. Would it, be, would it be possible to say that the entire tragedy um, of alcoholism actually made you the person to some extent that you are now? 100% and I've no and problem saying that. And therefore inadvertently you have your affliction, addiction to thank for maybe where you landed. A hundred percent. In I've, terms of your clarity and all, what you already alluded to as your freedom. Yeah, that's a great point. And it's, I feel like everyone, most people, like I'm in my late thirties now, most of my buddies have 
or already had or are about to have their own road to Damascus. Like most people have that moment in their life where they're like, I feel like I'm going under here. It mightn't be addiction. It could be something yeah. or other. I feel like alcoholism gave me the gift of it just being fast tracked. Because yeah. I could feel it coming down the road anyway very early on. Like I knew in my early 20s, I was like, oh, this is going to end in fucking chaos. Mm. I, knew, <laughs> I knew it, but I just loved drinking so much. Yeah. I was just like, pull the blinds a while and we'll just stop on. But like I knew it was coming. By the way, what did you drink? Anything or was there? Anything. Oh, anything. anything at all. Cheap, cheap beer. And the grottier the place, the better as well. The only place I didn't feel comfortable drinking was in what I would describe as la dee kind of establishments. Because that really made me feel less than. Whereas I loved being in gritty, grotty gaffs with people that were rougher and potentially more dangerous than I was. So that I could be the token kind of... Loyalist. <laughs> I was certainly loyal to drinking, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that was the ultimate loyalty. But uh, but yeah, no, it's it's you're totally right. And like I I am glad that I'm an alcoholic, and not a lot of people would. I don't know. Actually, I'm speaking for everyone there. No, they might they might all say that. But I certainly wouldn't have thought I'd say that at the start because at the start I was like, you know, oh, I've been lumbered with this thing now, mm. and now I have a disability. Yeah, and stuff. I think it seems to me that it's freed you. Oh, it's yeah. totally freed me. Almost in the carpe diem I'm sense. delighted. Yeah. I'm delighted yeah. with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I just want to say a big shout out to So Dave. I want to, you know, it's my new thing. It's, it's a revolutionary new thing that I found. And what is it, Marjorie? It's alcoholism. <laughs> really? I mean, it's a fast track approach. And little first eight weeks are a bit rough. You know, I like to drink grotty. You got to hit it hard. You got to hit it hard at the beginning because when you come out the other side, motherfucker, you are free. <laughs> Okay, but the lower you go, the higher up you're coming out the other side. It's like Weight Watchers with alcohol. Um, shit, you know, just hit it hard. It's carpe diem. It's true, though. It ah, is no, true. Interesting. Just another, just an addendum point to that. But um, uh, do, do you, I love chatting to you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Do you ever feel like... I do, though. Do you ever feel... Nice, like... I, it's coming I, back to him now from yeah. our I just, I just remembered who you were. <laughs> Sorry, I'm locked. No, <laughs> no, it's coming, other, our other chats are coming back to him now because he was enjoying those as well. I know. Yeah, should we used to have great crack. Yeah, and uh, I was going to ask you, do you, what's what about the potential pitfall or not of uh, seeing somebody that you like that's close to you, uh, whose drinking is, even though they don't want to admit it, is is uh, to all intents and purposes alcoholism. Have you seen that? Loads. Right. Oh, Jesus, loads. Like, I'm but often... Your, um, but I'm sure, as an intelligent person, you're saying to yourself, the last thing I'm going to do now is intervene. Yeah. And you do more... I wouldn't say you do more damage than good, but, like... I mean, I was asked to to talk to somebody recently, and what I, I, I just politely did it. But what I really wanted to say was, look, I know that this person isn't ready. So there's no point in me talking to this person and selling them the idea of a life without this substance when this substance is their world now. Like if, you, if you're in the middle of a love affair with, with something or somebody mm. and it hasn't gone fully sour yet, mm. you're not going to listen to some lag going, do you know what you should do now? Get rid of her. Because I tell you, as soon as you get rid of her, all your world opens out. <laughs> like you don't want to hear that. You're just like, I love her. She's my life. Um, so there's no point in me intervening unless the person is ready. But that then is brutally hard because... This is the thing, without getting too dark on it, by the time the person's ready, it can be too late. And that's what's so scary about it, you know. Um, yes. But 
they they need to have pain. Ah, uh, yes, you're uh, right. They need to have pain. <laughs> However, and this is an interesting point as He's well. Pulling faces, lads. No, He's it's, faces. Well, this, is, this is something that I've that I've thought about recently. However, people in your position, and indeed my position, and indeed people, other people I've met who are, let's say, communicators. Call, we won't even say comedians as such um, or actors just people in the communications business yeah some of them are so good at communicating and articulating themselves that it's it, you kind of wonder would it be worthwhile and indeed some of them are now doing it to go on and become to try some therapy do some therapy mm. as in to offer give some to become to practice <laughs> it because they become some of the best ones at it yeah because their their genius is for communicating and and you said, I can take something and roll it into two minutes and 20. Yeah. You know, you could take somebody into the room and you can encapsulate it in a nutshell or help to encapsulate it in a nutshell or in an image or in a picture or in a, a, ter- a, ter- a, ter- a tone, a voice or in a, a term or a, yeah. a, a, a nutshell. What's wrong with them? And I'm just saying that no. it's a talent that maybe <clears throat> some people in the communications and acting and comedian world have and. Well, I've been lucky enough to do a little bit of that. Like I did, a, I did a, a talk for the Law Society of Ireland, actually, because they listened to my interview on your show, and they were like, "You know, could you do it? Could you do a talk about, about your experience?" Ah, oh. and I did, and it was effectively like just talking to somebody in recovery, except I just told my own story, and yes. I suppose the angle that they had on it was along the way there'll probably be jokes yeah, and it'll be yeah. just a little bit more and also like as you know like and you, you've plugged the shit out of it but like I have a solo show about alcoholism yeah. and then in I've one eye and out the other yeah. which I saw uh, it's an absolutely brilliant one man show performed by Tyke and um, we saw it in the was it the Dublin Fringe yeah, Festival Dublin Fringe 2019 and are you going to Edinburgh Fringe with it I'm or going to Edinburgh digitally digitally yeah, yes so okay. I am going and I have the support of Pleasance and Culture Ireland and it's like it was a really big deal I hadn't had all those support networks before but sadly they're not taking foreign companies yeah. at the moment so it's digital but it's up online It's got, I think it's released on the 6th of August so people brilliantly can check out performed brilliant poise brilliant uh, uh, jokes comedy and also very dramatic and you won't believe it folks he, it, there's, there's nothing he can't do because one thing that blew me away that night was his singing voice and Ty you are a bloody amazing singer ah uh, thanks man you are and that's why I'm going to make you do it no <laughs> what? why didn't you sing the parting glass oh, I know Jesus. it's a bit unusual we can edit it out. Oh, God, I'm so surprised I'll that he's asked me to do this. We've t- planned this out for years. <laughs> we did not. You can edit it out. But is it a bit of a party piece? Do you like it? To, I do, yeah. Person? I like singing it, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just, here's well, any more water, no? What yeah, the, of course. Yeah. Give us a small bit of water. We're not on the radio, so you can take your time. Are yeah. you okay doing Thanks. it? Thanks. Oh, totally. Think, yeah, yeah. I think after 40 minutes of chatting, you're probably in the mood. Totally. And if yeah. you don't like it, if we don't like it, That's we can water. leave it out. Yeah, look. Okay. I'll give you the big, well, I'll give you the big gay burn intro. Do, like. yeah, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is. Did I not Did I not tell you he can act, he can sing, he can play, he can talk, he can do music, music, any kind of stuff you want. He's funny, <laughs> he gets in a room, he does it in two minutes, 20, he does therapy on himself, and now singing live, <laughs> Die Kiki, the parting class, take it away. And of all the money that ever I spent, I spent it in good company And of all the harm that ever I done Alas, it was done none but me But all I've done for want of wit To memory now I can't recall so fill to me the parting glass 
Good night and joy be with you all And of all the friends that ever I had They are sorry at my going away And of all the sweethearts that ever I had They would wish me one more day to stay But since it falls into my lot That I should rise and you should not I gently rise and I softly call Good night and joy be with you all And if I had money enough to spend And leisure time to rest a while There is a fair maid in this town Who sorely has my heart beguiled Her ruby lips, her rosy cheeks To me she has my heart enthralled So fill to me the parting glass Good night and joy be with you all. That's absolutely lovely, Tyg. Really, really lovely. Do you know I was um, I was listening to Liam Clancy singing that last night. Stop. Yeah. Wow. And uh, sensational. And uh, yeah, because I was going, I knew I was going to ask you to sing that, and uh, and that was really, really beautiful phrasing and beautiful singing. And of course, you have this really high falsetto thing going on as well, don't mm-hmm. you? What do you do? When the when when I at the other, it just he's great falsetto going on. Yeah. Just give it any falsetto. I give you a blast of it. Anything. Okay. Yeah. The Lord above, he is my usher, he is my vision, when I don't see, my tears, my trials, my tribulations, and he doth erase them from the scene. That's beautiful. It reminds me of um <clears throat> my, a Guys, you remind me of P.A. Yezu. <laughs> <laughs> you remind me of Alec Jones. <laughs> Do you know what's the great thing about that voice is? That's a man who hasn't smoked a cigarette in quite a while. And I'll tell you why. Because I used to do, um, I used to smoke 30 cigarettes a day. And uh, in about 2005, I gave up. And immediately after I gave up smoking, about six months later, a lot of registers started coming back to my voice that I never had. And about two years later, I began to do, I was able to do Joan Burton, who was basically, (laughs) can I just say? But but, but before 2005, I would go, can I just say? Yes. Which was, Joan Burton, Satan, yeah. <laughs> Satan, Joan Burton, and uh, so then all these registers came back into my voice yeah. and, when after I was thirty-five years of age, which was really nice. It's from a man very comfortable with his sexuality as well. What me doing that voice? Uh, well, how do you mean? You gotta be like, you know what I mean? It's a uh, you, yeah. you, you people be giving you a hard time for singing like that. Oh, it's beautiful, you know, really beautiful. I remember I that. It. That really struck me when I when I heard. Yeah, there was, it was it was it was it was like um, a bit like uh, what was your man Jimmy Somerville as well. Bronx yeah, I love beat. him. Absolutely, brilliant. I love him. What is it with the eighties like? Oh, can't when he, and the communards when he joined the communards yeah. as well. You know, absolutely beautiful voice that that he sang with. Um, anyway, uh, 
But a character that we both like doing um, as well, because um, <coughs> you're not an impressionist as such, Tyg. I've got but one you do impre- plenty. I've got one impression. But no, actually, you probably do about 50. I don't, man. You do. I don't. But who do you like doing? You like doing I your, like Brian O'Donovan. You it's, like your man, Brian O'Donovan. He's from up the road for me, like, so it's basically <laughs> Brian, accent. Brian O'Donovan, folks, is the Washington correspondent for RTE, and he is a bald as a coot. <laughs> and uh, not that Tyg is, isn't this, Tyg is only balding. I'm balding, like. Yeah, yeah. But Brian, O'Do- Brian O'Donovan, otherwise known as Bod, is uh, very bald, and he's the Washington correspondent. And he has a great voice, and, and uh, I can do Brian O'Donovan as well, sort of, anyway. And I do him sometimes on Gift Grub. And, uh, sort Tyg, of. So, so Tyg. Tyg is doing him as well So we're both going to be Brian O'Donovan I think I'll start and with Tyg has written the sketch And, and we're going to go to we'll go to Washington I'll go to be David McCullough actually um, RTE News Welcome back to the news. We go live now to Washington, D.C., where we can join Brian O'Donovan um, live from outside the Lincoln Memorial. Brian, are you there? Uh, hello there. Everyone's favourite Irish reporter in America here, Brian O'Donovan, live from Washington. I haven't gone away, you know. You may be about to get a chuckle or indeed a full laugh when the name of the gentleman I'm currently talking to is revealed, sir. Could you please tell the people back home your name? Uh, my name is Brian O'Donovan. <laughs> Two Brian O'Donovans mm-hmm. are better than one. This is surely one of those funny moments I've been reading about. A perfect opportunity for me to showcase my undoubted lighter side. I will now laugh. <laughs> Fellow Brian O'Donovan, would you agree the U.S. is in decline? What? No. It already (laughs) feels better since Biden took over. Definitely better for immigrants like me. Uh, The lesser of two Brians. Newsflash, Biden's a drip. Trump was always up for shenanigans, and everyone was on the edge of their seat to find out what he might do next. I.e., loads of screen time for me. If Biden doesn't do something wacky soon, I'm going to find myself part of the nationwide team. Anyway, Brian Ella, who's your favourite Irish news guy in America, need I ask? Uh, Doney, I'd say. What the fuck did you just say? You know the young Kerry lad on CNN. He's fantastic. Real light touch. Normal. Natural. But I have a very light touch, Brian. Remember me laughing at the funny coincidence earlier? Do the laugh again. Yes, that laugh. I remember that laugh. Yeah. Uh, And come on now, Brian. I think you'd be hard pushed to find someone more normal and natural than me. Listen, can I head off? Do you prefer me now, Brian? No, I prefer Donny. I told you. What's wrong with you? Jesus. It seems two Brian O'Donovans are not better than one after all, folks, because yes, that was the sound of me knocking my namesake out. Donny is a thunder-stealing, culty potato head, and I won't be insulted a moment longer. I urge my supporters to don Viking hats and storm bloody CNN, demanding the removal of Donny, the internet effing loves me, O'Sullivan. Brian O'Donovan, finally having lost the rag and probably the gig, Oh no, I'm headed for Nationwide. Other Brian O'Sullivan completely fucking knocked out. (laughs) (laughs) 
Two Brian O'Donovans. Savage. Very good. Can I get that? I'm going to use that. Yeah. Well, I'll let you do it first, and then I'll uh, <laughs> I'll repurpose both their heads and we'll put, put it out. We, yeah, we'll put, we'll, put, uh, we'll put some sound effects on it as well. Put David McCullough on it from the start. Oh, Savage. Brilliant. Um, Listen, dude, I really enjoyed that, Tyke. Um, I love is anything, that. Is there anything else? Anything else you'd like? Anything else we could talk about? Doing a podcast. Well, I just get all my last few plugs in. Yeah. Doing a podcast with Bower Media, Go Loud, Their Class. I'm writing a, a potential one-man musical uh, on Brexit, where I'm hopefully going to play all the characters. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but that's what I'm doing. I'm hoping to go touring in the UK with when it. When you say a one-man musical on Brexit, for what? For what medium? Theatre. I'm going to do a live show if possible. I might ask you about it. Right. Have you been there and done it? I'd love to play all the roles, but I've got like Europe, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, uh, loyalism, and a few others. I think it would India. Be a really great idea. <laughs> really great idea. Um, you probably you probably need to use a big screen mm. to help you get through projections and stuff. Yeah, I was kind of yeah, thinking, yeah. yeah. And, and I'm talk to yourself. Yeah. Write some music for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is this sort of Brexit the musical? Brexit, the one-man Cork Hosher musical. Yeah. Mm, good idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good idea. Good idea. Good idea. <laughs> Look, I'm ambitious, man. No, it's a good idea. <laughs> it's a good idea, yeah. I mean, Jesus, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can see, well, based on the, vi- the, the the video you did and everything, I can see you doing it. Yeah, that'll be great. I just want to tour. Like, I just want to, you know, when the world opens up again, I want to be able to tour. And I'd love to go to places like Wales and Scotland. And I'd say it'd be great crack. Always a fantastic guest. Hope you enjoyed it. Of course, I really uh, loved talking to Tyg, as I always do. Any thoughts or comments, please mail me on mariorosenstock at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter, at GiftGrubMario. I'm on Facebook, Mario Rosenstock. Uh, please get in touch. Subscribe, rate, follow, review. That really helps us. Next episode, musician, broadcaster, columnist, brilliant raconteur and storyteller, Mr. Tom Dunn. Make sure you check that one out. And thanks as always to Curry's PC World for their ongoing support. See you soon, folks.